0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Well, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are here with us and those who are watching online as well. Uh, today we want to do a Mother's Day message that we can relate to. I am fighting, you know, those Mother's Day memes that go yeah. out where all the moms <laughs> are watching and the husbands are sleeping. And no, we're not. We're not going to have one of those messages today. We're going to talk about some principles that work in relationships and life and family. And uh, I, I believe you're going to want to jot down some notes. So I'm actually going to encourage you to use your iPhone to go into the app, go into the notes. And uh, be able to, to do that this morning, as long as you have enough self-control not to go to Facebook Marketplace <laughs> or scroll Instagram during the service, okay? No, don't do that. In Jesus' name.
0: <laughs> you know, before we start, we, we, this is our day to honor moms and families. And, but, you know, today I want to use this as an encouragement for you to celebrate mom all year round. And for me, this is my first Mother's Day without my mom. My mom died Uh, suddenly actually last fall. And so this is her first Mother's Day in heaven. And um, I know for many of you, you know, this is your mom's Maybe died last year or it's kind of fresh to you. So we want to really, you're in our thoughts and we realize it's a tough day for you. But for everybody else that mom's around, I really want to encourage you to take today, not, this is a great day. I mean, don't forget to call mom. Don't forget the flowers. Don't forget all that kind of stuff. But use today as for you to think about how can I honor mom and celebrate her all the year through. So, in my last few, the last number of years, the last decade, I've been calling my mom two to three times a week. She lives out of the province, but two to three times a week, I was calling mom. It doesn't take long, but I was including her in my life. And for moms, that's so important. And my life was enriched by that. My friendship with her was so enriched. And so she's gone, but I have no regrets of that time with my mom. So, I just wanna encourage you, you no, know, don't just do it today. Just honor and and spend time with mom and call mom and build a relationship with her all the year through. You guys going to do that? Yes. 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 Especially you guys. Uh, (laughs) So so today we want to, you know, one of the greatest gifts we can give to our moms is family harmony. So one of the greatest gifts you can give mom today besides the flowers and the treats is family harmony. And I know as a mom, I am so blessed when I see my sons just hanging out together, getting along. It usually involves thumping each other or hitting each other or (laughs) punching each other or something like that. But they're just getting along and there's great camaraderie. And as a mom, that just warms my heart so much. And I'm sure it does for you moms too. But on the other hand, you know, moms can have the greatest stress and the greatest sadness when our family members just don't get along. That's the greatest stressor for mom, is, is just when our families just aren't getting along. And I know Dennis and I, we've seen so many examples of this over the years, and it's been so painful to see that we've had friends who live near us, and their kids, their adult kids don't live far away, but they rarely visit them. They very rarely allowed them to come, and they don't get a chance to see the grandkids maybe once or twice a year, and they live close by. And the painful thing is they don't even know why. But for some reason, there's been a brokenness in the family relationship. So maybe you've seen that as well. You know, maybe you think about it. Maybe have you seen this as well in your families? Maybe you've seen this as well. Maybe you know family or friends who don't talk to each other. I know Dennis and I, we've heard this happen so many times in families and relationships. Yeah, I know of a a
1: family that, you know, when they were just a young family with, with little toddlers had cut off the relationship with the parents, the brothers, the sisters, just disconnected from everyone. And now uh, their children have grown up with no relationship whatsoever with grandma and grandpa, the uncles, the aunts, the cousins, nothing. And I think, what a shame and what what a loss for those kids that that would take place. I'll never forget one Father's Day when a young man came to me and after the message said, I've, I called my dad. I hadn't spoken to him in seven years. And these things unfortunately become too common.
0: Yeah, for sure, that's just, that's a shame. But, you know, also we've heard so many examples of families splitting up over an inheritance, just, you know, just stuff. And it's really sad, I've heard, you know, sets of siblings not speaking to each other, these two against these two, and just not speaking to each other over something like an inheritance, over stuff over the years.
1: So what do all these kind of examples have in common? Here's what they have in common. People don't know how to resolve conflict. That's really the issue. People don't know how to resolve conflict. You didn't learn that, you know, in high school. Certainly didn't you learn it in university if you went there. In fact, for most people, what they saw perhaps growing up um, wasn't resolution. It was per- perhaps even destruction. So family can be like the greatest source of blessing and support and fun and all the rest. But relationships can also be the biggest challenge if we don't know how to resolve conflict. So that's what we're going to talk about here today. That's what we're going to get into today.
0: So this is what we want to talk about today, and it's called Managing Conflict and Restoring Relationships. We want to talk about Managing Conflict and Restoring Relationships and Family. Now, the caution today is you might be sitting there thinking, boy, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. You know, anytime in church, be careful of thinking that. You know, I wish so-and-so was here to think about this, to think of this, but hear this, but you need to be careful today to listen for you and not for others. So be careful to listen for you today and not for others. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, peacemakers, not peacekeepers, is what that scripture says. Because peacemaker is an action word. Peacemakers are not just keeping the peace. They are actively working on making peace. Peacemakers are actively working on making peace. They're not waiting for someone else to come to make things right. They are out there working on making peace in relationships.
1: Yeah, you know, this is so important to understand because What we want to look at is what peacemaking is not. What peacemaking is not. And it's not avoiding. And it's not appeasing. Some people think, oh, I keep the peace in my marriage. I keep the peace in my family. I just don't talk about it, right? Or I don't rock the boat. Or we just sweep everything under the carpet and pretend it didn't happen. Or I just grin and bear it, whatever. That's not peacemaking. That's called avoiding. And it doesn't help at all. So peacemaking is not running from or avoiding the problem. It's not appeasing. Appeasing is this. Appeasing means I always give in. And usually when that's happening, it's because you want to avoid conflict and avoid the fight. And and so what happens is to the other party, it's like they're always getting their way. Uh, I'm just making peace at any price. Appeasement is not peacemaking. That's called codependency. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ never ran from a legitimate conflict. He knew how to deal with it head on, how to resolve it, and how to restore a relationship.
0: So what are we to do then? We're to seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Romans 14, 19 says, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So we're to pursue the things which make for peace. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all men. So we needed to pursue peace. You know, sometimes I think peace, people think peace is like a default. Like they have such a nice family. They seem to have peace. And we see families that seem to have great relationships. And we just think because they've got such a great group of people in that family, everybody's perfect. Then they get along that that's why their family just seems to be a great, peaceful family. You know what I'll guarantee? I'll guarantee that those families have done the work of managing conflict and pursuing peace. It's not by default. They've put, taken the time to put in the work in that family. And how do we know this? Well, I know it's because no individual is perfect and no family is perfect. So, no, so somebody else's family just not got better people in it or whatever. No family is perfect because no people are perfect. And it's just like that in marriage. We have to continually work on resolving and managing conflict to keep good relationships and family. So the Bible is really clear about us pursuing peace. And you know what the news I have for you, the great news that you're gonna to have to work on this for the rest of your life in family. You're gonna to have to work on this pursuing peace for the rest of your life. Romans 12, 18 says it great. It says, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You should write that one down. That scripture should be in your brain. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So as far as it depends on you, okay? It doesn't say as long as they can get along with you, but as far as it depends on you. But what do we hear people say and say? I don't know. Maybe you've heard this one. I know I've heard this one so many times. If they have a problem with me, they know where I live. <laughs> you know, if they have a problem with me, they can pick up the phone You know, how many times have we heard those kind of sayings? You know, they know where I live. I've got nothing against them, but somehow you're not talking. The Bible is really clear about us making the move to make peace with people. So pursuing peace, what does it look like? First of all, number one, be the first to initiate reconciliation. Be the first person to initiate reconciliation. So that means going to others and extend the opportunity to talk.
1: Yeah, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23, it says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. First go and be reconciled to that person. The principle is simply this. When you see it, be the first to address it. When you see it, be the first to address it. I'm sure that even as we just started talking about this, that you're already thinking about somebody in your world, somebody in your life, that you may have a strained relationship with. And it's likely to be somebody in the family, or marriage, parents, kids, maybe even somebody at work. But here's the thing. Conflict is never resolved accidentally. It doesn't just happen. It's always intentional. You've got to make the move. Conflict never resolves itself. You've heard the expression, well, time heals all things. That's not true. The statement doesn't apply to your emotions and feelings. In fact, it's unbiblical. What the Bible teaches is this, is that unhealed emotions, bitterness, resentment, only fester and actually get worse with time. Not only that, But your bitterness will impact others around you, just like secondhand smoke. You know, secondhand smoke is shown to be as cancer-causing as actually being a smoker. So if you're listening to somebody else's bitterness, somebody else's complaining, somebody else's gossip, you become like them. You pick up on their unresolved offense. You're better to send them back to the one that they need to reconcile with. Now, I can write this one down. The only way to resolve a conflict is to face it. The only way to resolve a conflict is to face it. You have to make the decision. I'm going to address the issue.
0: Right. That's so true. Hopefully we've convinced you after all that. But uh, yeah, that's... So the next thing to do is to come with a humble attitude. The next thing to do is come with a humble attitude. So Jesus shared a great parable for the attitude in which we come to someone who we're in conflict with. It says in Matthew 7, 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. First take the log out of your own eye. Now, what does that mean? It means the first thing you need to do in conflict is to own your part in the conflict. Own your part in the conflict, no matter how small that is. Oh, Holy Spirit just coming in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Own your part in the conflict, however small you think that is. And so many times it's like we think, man, that's 99.999% their fault, but there's always something we could do to, make, to do things better, we could have done better. Like maybe I was defensive or I didn't provide clear communication or how I reacted. There's gotta be something that we can find that we did wrong in the situation. When you come with a posture of humility, it opens them up to talking you come with that posture of, hey, you know, this is my part in the situation, it just opens up their heart to talk. Because you come across as a safe person, someone they can talk to. You're not coming on strong. You're coming out in humbly and someone that's open to talk.
1: Mm -hmm. Number three, choose the relationship over my rights. I choose the relationship over my rights. Now, there's a story in the Bible about Abram and Lot, and, and this is like Family feud 1.0, okay, from the Bible. God told Abraham to leave, to not bring his family with him for what he was uh, called to do and where he was going. Uh, It's just, he needed to go alone. It's just the way it was. In Genesis chapter 13, though, we pick up on the story because here's what happened. He went ahead and brought Lot. He, you know, he didn't didn't follow the Lord's instruction. How many know whenever you don't follow God's instruction, some mess is gonna happen? Mm -hmm. And sure enough, that's what happened here. And it says this, now Lot who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and lots. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the same time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quar- Quarrelling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You know, Abram could have chosen the land that he wanted first. I mean, He he was certainly in his right to do so. After all, God had called him on this journey into this place. Lot's just kind of following along. But for the sake of peace, he let Lot choose first. Now look at what happened. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered like like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Lot got to choose first. And so he just acted like any child would. He picks the biggest cookie off the plate, right? He just, I'll take the best looking land that's out there. But here's what's interesting. Lot didn't say, hey, Uncle Abe, you know, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you. You should choose first. Instead, Lot chose first and chose the best. And it speaks to his lack of honor and his lack of gratitude towards Abram. Abram, however, chose peace, and trusted God to bless him regardless. Abram had a right to choose first. That would have been his right. But he valued his relationship over his personal rights. He could have exercised his rights, put himself first, but he was committed to eliminating strife and keeping a good relationship with his nephew. And then as the story goes, God blessed Abram.
0: Yeah, what a great story in the Bible. I know I had a situation like this where I was in conflict with someone over something and, you know, we tried to discuss it, but there was a rift in our relationship over, over this conflict or this situation that we were in. And, you know, I tried to talk about it, but the other person was a really strong personality. And, you know, they just kept pointing the fingers and they weren't willing to own anything. You know, I just think they weren't emotionally or spiritually at the place where they could take any ownership over the situation. So I tried to discuss it and, but you know, they weren't gonna own their part. And so, you know, it was just came down to, we had this rift and what were we gonna do? We were at an impasse. But you know what I chose to do? I chose to make peace by apologizing. I chose to make peace by apologizing. And you know, someone says, why would you do that? I mean, you know, you didn't do anything wrong in this situation. But for me, peace and a relationship with this person was more important than who did what in that situation. You know, a lot of these situations aren't like moral, big moral situations. They're, they're little stuff like, you know, who got grandma's teapot and, you know, all that kind of small little things that in the big picture, when you take a step back and look at the conflict, in the big picture, they're not worth the breakdown of the relationship. And so for myself, it's, I just felt like, you know what? I'm going to choose the relationship over who is right and who is wrong in this situation. So sometimes this means apologizing when we think the other is so much more wrong and we are right. Mm-hmm. So I chose the relationship. I wanted more than anything to have a relationship with this person. I wanted a relationship more than I needed an apology. So we just needed to clear the air and get past that. And that's what we did. So I said, I'm sorry, even though they were 99% at fault. So that was in my opinion. Point. It's always in our opinion.
1: She's being humble. It was 99.5. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you know, what would most of us do? Most of us would choose being right is more important than the relationship. Including us. <laughs> so yeah. Moving on. It is Anyways, tendency. Choose, to, choose to value relationship over rights. Yeah. Number
1: four. Avoid the trap of making judgments about others. Avoid the trap of making judgments about others. This is probably one of the greatest um, sources of conflict and strife is is this area. Unrealistic expectations or even assumptions can bring strife. Hey, I remember birthdays. Why don't you? You know, I bring the nice home-cooked dish to the family get-together. You just bring the buns.
0: Day-old ones, too. Day-old at that, (laughs) yeah,
1: you cheap thing, you. Listen, don't judge them based on comparing what you would do. God isn't even judging them compared to you, okay? The other thing to be aware of is when we judge, when we judge, we tend to judge motives, Mm -hmm. and it always leads us to two things. First of all, a place of criticism, but second of all, to complete inaccuracy. You did this and I know why. No you don't. You don't know why. You don't know their heart. You don't have a clue about their motives. So don't pretend that you do. Oh, you only bring the buns because you don't care. No, now that's called making judgment. It's mm-hmm. judging motives. When we judge motives, we'll say things like, "Well, it's because you're greedy or you're selfish or you don't care or you only think about yourself." These are judgments made out of motives. And when we judge motives, <laughs> We are wrong most of the time. And the word most means 99.9%, okay? I mean, if not all of the time, that's the way it is. We make these judgments, and here's what we do. We make them out of offense, and we make them out of hurt. But they're not made out of knowledge, and they're not made out of insight. Here's what John 7.24 says. Stop judging by mere appearances. Well, this is what it looks like to me, right mere appearance stop judging by mere appearances but instead judge correctly if you would just take you know a step back and simply ask without attitude hey why did this happen why did you do it this way what did you mean when you said this you might actually resolve the conflict right on the spot
0: you know that's so good about judgment and I mean, one of the big lessons that i learned in 2022 and it was a really hard lesson for me is watching judgment in my thought life. You know, I'm not one to overly, like to judge and criticize somebody openly or gossip or things like that openly, but I felt like God was really challenging me on what I meditate on about people. And it's really it really affected my relationships with people. I found myself judging others in my mind. Anybody ever done that? You know, in your brain, you're judging others and, you know, they just did that because they're inconsiderate, you know, they're selfish. Monitor your self-talk. Are your thoughts? Monitor your self-taught. What are you thinking about people? The Bible is so clear about this. It's not just what we do, but what we think about that's so important. It's not just what we do in life, but what we think about is hugely important. Philippians 4:8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things we're supposed to think about. Think about those things. It's really clear in the Bible to watch what you meditate on. I know a lot of the conflict we have with people can be just created in our own minds. I know for me, how much a lot of my conflict is in my own brain. Yeah. You know why? Because we misinterpret so many things. True. We take what people text or email or say or do or don't do and we read into it hostility. Anybody ever done that? You know, or somebody else has done that to you? You read hostility, especially text messages, right? Anybody ever been a victim of that? I know I have. Nobody else? Yeah, yes, capitals. yes, yes. It's you know? all
1: capitals. And you text back, why are you yelling at me? You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like you just read into a text message so much or an email or, you know, they say something casually and you just take it the wrong way or yeah. you've had that happen to you. It's an awful thing to have happen to you. I know I had that happen not long ago. I had a friend who completely misread the intention of a text I said, and were they were super offended. We're talking about I'm not coming to your birthday party offended <laughs> because of something I said in a text, which I actually meant as a positive thing, but they yeah. completely misread it and judged the whole bit. So, you know, t- make sure you don't take something that's completely neutral and interpret it in a hostile way. Yeah. But you know, it's super important right here. The choice right here is we have to daily choose what we believe about people. Mm-hmm. The Bible says to choose to believe the best. 1 yeah. Corinthians 13, 7 says, if you love someone, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. Good. You'll always believe the best. The Bible says love believes all things. Love believes the best about people. When they see a text message or they Here's something they think, they don't jump, jump to judgment. Instead, they think, I'm going interp- to believe that they meant something different than what I'm reading in this. I'm going to believe that they meant, didn't mean that. I'm going to believe that, you know, I'm going to believe the best about this person and, and, and ask some clarifying questions rather than just jumping to conclusions about things. So yeah. love always the believes the best. So watch what you meditate on with people. Really watch what you meditate on with people Be on guard for that negative thinking of others, you know? Sometimes it's just so hard, but be on guard for negative thinking. And it's just so hard sometimes. So how do we do that? In all areas of life, we're going to have negative thinking that comes up. And how do you do it? I know before I used to just go, no, 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 I'm not going to think like this. (laughs) And, (laughs) And it never worked. But what does work is when you replace the negative thinking with the Word of God. Right. replace any negative thinking in any area of the life, and especially this whole area we're talking about today. Replace the negative thinking with the Word of God and some of these scriptures that we just use. Love believes all things. Love believes the best. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dwell on what's pure and good and right. Those are the things I'm going to dwell on, not the negativity. So really believe all things. So just watch your thought life, you know, judging other people and replace it with the truth. And the other big thing I've really found that really, 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 really helps me is praying for that person. And I've even sort of taken this as when I'm thinking about someone, it's my cue to pray for that person. Mm. So replacing the negative thoughts about that person, write down, I'm gonna pray for that person right now. Another another way, that's another way to, to battle those negative, judgmental thoughts is to pray for them. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, but I say this, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Another translation actually says, for those who mistreat or abuse you. The people who mistreat or abuse you. So if there's someone that you're in conflict today, I would just challenge you to, you know, begin to write down their name. And when you, that thought comes to your brain, just remind yourself, I'm gonna pray for that person. And the amazing thing I find is when I pray for someone, you know, you, you, someone that you're in conflict with, you're going to have lots of negative th- feelings about them. You're not going to have these warm, you know, wonderful feelings about them. But when you pray for them, your heart just somehow changes towards them. Yeah. You will, you'll feel in your emotions just a change towards that person. So if you've got any family conflicts or these family things we're talking about, or even friends, neighbors, workplace, that person that's giving you a hard time, put them number one on your prayer list We're going to believe God that that's going to change things in relationships. So prayer has done amazing things in our attitudes and feelings towards people.
1: Number five, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. The Bible says in James 1, if we ask God for wisdom, that he will give it to us. James 1, 5, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So you can pray before you speak. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've spoken and then I prayed. Oh God, I can't <laughs> believe what I just said. But we're to pray, then speak, okay? Tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to say. You know, I don't know what to say. it. I, I'm not sure where to say it. I don't know what the best, I don't know how to start this conversation. God, what should I do? You know, just pray. And, and even, here's another prayer. God, give me the courage to speak up. I think a lot of times uh, conflict is not resolved because we just haven't stepped into the courage that needs to open up that conversation. It's become the biggest obstacle to resolving conflict can be uh, not having that courage. And maybe that's the prayer you need to pray. It's kind of like the, you know, the child who, who is just a toddler and somebody asks him, who's your hero? He said, daddy, why do you consider him your hero? Because he's brave. Is there anything your hero is frightened of? mommy. <laughs> Ask God for wisdom, but also for the courage to speak up as you should. Now, I actually had to pray like this not too long ago. And, uh, you know, I, I all I said was this. I said, God, I can't keep silent any longer about this I'm going to speak up tomorrow, but I really need you to help me. And, and when I speak up, here's what I want I want you to help me do it with a right attitude and in a right spirit so that they hear me and don't react. And so I was praying a prayer of God, would you just prepare my heart? Would you give me a right attitude, right spirit? And then a second one, Lord, would you prepare them to have ears to hear? And guess what? Here's what I can tell you prayer works. That's so
0: awesome. That's so awesome. So we're talking about having wisdom. Now that we're going to talk to people, we need to have wisdom. And the first thing is the right timing. We need to pick the right timing for situations or to speak up. So the right timing is not somebody's birthday, you know. Don't get into conflict on somebody's birthday or at a wedding. Not a good place to have conflict. (laughs) You know, make sure you have the right timing. Not in the heat of the moment, not Christmas Day, any of that kind of stuff. Pick the right timing. So I would say if something came up at Christmas, be proactive, and before Easter, before Mother's Day, before whatever, before one of these things, you know, get, sit down and make an appointment to talk about it. You know, sit down and talk about it, and not in the heat of the moment, in a good, good timing when uh, that you should be bringing these things up. So be proactive, do it ahead of time, schedule a time to bring it up, but, you know, make sure you do talk about it. So, but right timing. And then the how we approach conflict and communication is so important. So it's just not what we say, it's how we say it is so important. So what you don't do, you don't come across, you don't come into the situation with a bunch of accusations, a bunch of pointing the finger, you did this and you did that and all that kind of stuff. The Bible is really clear of how we speak to each other in these situations. It says, James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I don't know about you, but I think I've got that Scripture wrong sometimes because I think I've misread it. I've been quick to speak and really quick to get angry, and I'm just ready to confront and give them a piece of my mind. I'm just, you know, going, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, you know. Anybody else like that? You guys are looking at me like nobody else is like that. Here. <laughs> but but um, no, I mean, I've been quick to speak. I've been quick to speak up and quick to get angry as soon as something happens. Like, I'm angry and I'm going to give the people a piece of my mind. That is so wrong. It were to, not to come on strong and make you did this statements. When we do that, what it does, it immediately puts the other person on defensive. It immediately makes them put up their guard and you're accusing them. What are they gonna do? They have, to, they have to defend themselves. Instead of talking about the problem and resolving the problem, all of a sudden they're in defense mode. So it's not gonna help the situation if you come in like that. The other thing to avoid is you always, you never. Labeling people like that, even some labeling, sometimes in families we do this, you've always been stingy, you've always been self-centered. You know, that's not fair to use that, you always, you never, because you're not giving people a chance to change. People do change, so don't be labeling people like that. The truth is not enough. It's not just what you say, but so much more is how you say it. It's not what you say, it's so much how you say it. And have you ever noticed this in conflict? And this could be in the workplace. This could be in the family. This could be in your neighborhood. The moment you start yelling and getting out of it, what I've found is the focus no longer is on the situation or the problem. The focus is on you and how out of it you are. They stop focusing on you, on, on the situation, but now you're the problem in this situation. The problem is no longer the problem. You're the problem. The problem is no longer a problem. When you get out of it, now you're the problem. You're never persuasive when you are abrasive. Sometimes we think, you know, when, when we're, you know, we really come on strong, but you are never persuasive when you are abrasive. Why? It's because now they just are hearing the emotion. They're not hearing the problem. Yeah. So how do we handle conflict instead? Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, we are to speak the truth, but do it in love. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speak the truth in love. So like we said before, start at the beginning with what's my fault. Best way to go into a situation like this, start at the beginning with what's my fault. And then the next thing is start asking questions. Start getting some clarification. Sometimes there's just a miscommunication. Anybody ever got mad at somebody and it's like, you're coming in like, and then you think, oh, that was actually just a miscommunication. And you're embarrassed. So I'm just going to save you some embarrassment like I've had. So just come in and clarify, what did you mean by that? And it could have been something completely different. What did you mean by this? What did you mean by that? And then what you do next is you state the facts. Share what happened without judgment. So I've got some concerns. This thing happened. You know, just coming in, like, this this happens. Just state the facts. And then share how you felt about the situation. Mm-hmm. Tell them how it made you feel. That's going to break down the walls. Maybe they had no intention of making you feel that way. People can't argue with your feelings. Yeah. So state the facts without judgment. State the facts and how you felt, but don't get into your opinions of their motives. Don't get into your opinions of their motives. A lot of the time, you may not be accurate. Proverbs 12, 18 says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Mm-hmm. The words of the wise bring healing. And we're just going, going to trust that today. We're going to trust that you, as you go, as God puts people on your mind, that you're going to be, have words of the wise, and it's going to bring healing and relationships and families. Mm-hmm. However, when we're harsh and reckless in conflict, it's just going to bring more hurt. But when we are wise in our words and careful with how we present things, we're just believing today it's going to bring healing into families.
1: Absolutely. Number six, focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. There's a big difference between the two. Reconciliation means this. I'm reestablishing the relationship. That means I'm going to bury the hatchet. You're going to bury the hatchet. You know, put it behind us. The relationship is what's most important. It means we're at peace with each other. I'm not holding on to a hurt or an offense You're not holding on to any hurt or offense. We buried the hatch. We reconciled the relationship. Now, resolution, though, means we've resolved every disagreement. And it's wonderful if and when that can happen. But frankly, often it won't happen because the truth is this, is that there are some things that are going to come up in your life, in your marriage, in your family, your friendships, at work, et cetera, with people. And you're just not going to agree because we're all different but here's the deal. You can disagree without being disagreeable. You can disagree without being disagreeable. That's called maturity. That's called wisdom. That's called being Christ-like. That's what we're called to do. So to disagree without being disagreeable. And our challenge to you as pastors is that you will commit to becoming an agent of reconciliation in your families. Be the leader in this. Be an agent of reconciliation. Be the person who's a bridge builder, not a wall builder. It's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. That's so true. Look for ways to bring people together rather than tear them apart. Because after all, that's exactly what God did for us. Let's stand as we take a moment for prayer. In just a moment, I want to pray for all of the families that are represented here. And and we're going to pray that reconciliation will become uh, not just an item that happens in a moment, but, but literally the pattern that you live with, that you embrace, the value that you embrace as a family. Because after all, as I said, that's what God did for us. He reconciled our relationship with Him through Jesus. We're not perfect. Uh, You know, we we don't get everything right and uh, we still fall short of God's perfection. However, because of Jesus, we've been reconciled to God. We've been forgiven, we're accepted. We have an invitation into God's forever family through our faith in Jesus Christ. We have been offered reconciliation through faith in Christ as our Savior who died for us, paid for our sins, and as our Lord who is meant to rightfully lead our lives. And so before we go into this prayer for family moment, I wanna have a prayer for salvation moment because maybe you're here today and and you don't have peace with God. You don't have an assurance that you're right with him. You don't have an assurance if you died today, you'd you'd go to heaven. You're not walking in a relationship with the heavenly father. That can all change in just a moment because what you can do is respond to the reconciliation that God offered by saying yes to Jesus. By saying, yes, I'm putting my faith in you as the Savior of the world, the one who paid, the one and only who paid for the sins of the world and rose again from the grave. And I'm embracing you now as Lord and leader in my life. And if that's where your heart is at, if, if, if that's what you're saying yes to today, then I just invite you with sincerity to pray this prayer along with the rest of us as we pray a prayer of salvation in support of those who really need to pray this prayer here today. Let's bow our heads for that prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the Savior of the world. Today I invite you into my life to be my Savior. Forgive me of my past. And I confess you as the Lord of my life, who I will follow with all my heart from this day forward, in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray one more prayer. Earlier in the message, we mentioned that there's probably somebody who comes to your mind that you may be in conflict with, that that you need to reconcile with. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray for that conversation. But not only that, I want to pray for this to become a value that you embrace in your family and extended family and in other relationships as well. So let's pray. Father, I I pray for each and every one who are here that, that Lord know there's somebody they need to have a conversation with, somebody they need to have a reconciliatory conversation with. Father, I pray that they would take the initiative. I pray for godly courage to take the initiative. I thank you for grace on their lips to open up the door to that conversation. I thank you Father for courage replacing any hesitation or fear. I thank you as well for humility to, to walk in admitting to here's what I could have done perhaps better. But I pray as well Lord for wisdom. What to say, how to present this, how to handle this. I thank you Father for that. Lord help us share in a right spirit And prepare the listener to hear so that there can be a a reconciliation that takes place. And Father, I pray for our families. I pray that this becomes our value. This becomes how we do life. That Lord, we don't do life holding on to bitterness. We don't do life holding on to resentment. We We don't do life putting up walls of we don't talk anymore and all that kind of nonsense. Instead, Jesus, I thank you for for turning things around in families and setting a new pace and a new trend with this value that you, God, hold towards humanity. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationemington.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at CelebrationEmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.